Welcome to the One More Verse Podcast. This is John Nix, and I'm excited to have you along on this Wednesday, November 11th, 2015. Today's reading was Judges, chapter 7, verses 1 through 22, and chapter 8, verses 22 through 35. So come on. Let's discuss what we read together. It's the eve of the battle. All the plans have been made. All the people have been gathered. They've encamped and they're getting ready to do battle with the camp of Midian. And the Lord comes to Gideon and he says something that must have been a little bit discouraging. But that's not the way that God intended it. God delights in encouraging the faith of his people. So God comes to Gideon and he says, listen, your army is too big. And because of the temptation for people to say, hey, we did this because of our awesome battle plans or because, you know, I'm really good with the sword or the spear, however it may be, instead of the glory going to them, God says, listen, we're going to lower your numbers. So he says, go to your men and tell them if anybody is fearful and trembling, this is kind of a reference to something Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 20, say, you can go home. You don't have to stay. Imagine what it must have been like when roughly two thirds of the army turned around and went home. 22,000 men depart right there. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in the army of the 10,000 that are left and I'm watching two-thirds of the army go home, I'm looking at my buddy going, I'm not real sure about this guy's leadership skills. I don't know that this was the best move. What in the world is Gideon thinking? And I bet Gideon's probably got some questions too. Great, there goes two-thirds of my army. I know you don't want us to take the credit, Lord, but now I'm worried for the men. They may lose heart. I don't know what we're going to do. And instead of the Lord going, hey, don't worry about it, we've got this, the Lord comes to Gideon and says, you still got too many guys. Can you imagine? You still have too many men? Are you kidding me, Lord? We don't have any sort of dialogue. But I know if it was me, I would have had plenty of questions about this. We still have too many? We had had 32,000 people. Now we're down to 10,000 and we still have too many? And so God says, take them down to the water. I'm going to test them for you. And I'll tell you what to do. So they go down to the water and everyone who kind of put their face to the water and drank directly from the water, put them over on one side. But anybody who kneels down and kind of scoops the water with their hand and drinks from their hand, put them on a different side. And so when they're all divided out, the ones who were drinking from their hand were 300. So that means 9,700 guys on the other side. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, great. Here's what's going to happen. The Lord's just, he's going to pull off these 300. Maybe these guys weren't the guys we needed anyway, and we're going to do it this way. But no, God says to Gideon, this is the 300 plus yourself that I'm going to give the Midianites into your hand. And so they take these provisions, and I'm thinking of the conversation that is going on. I'm sure in Gideon's mind, his mind is just racing. It's probably difficult for him to pay attention to all that's going on around him. He's probably going about his task and what he's supposed to do and going, I don't know what I'm going to do with these 300 men. Those men in the back are probably grumbling and murmuring and going, great, 300 guys, we're going in there. 
But God tells Gideon, listen, why don't you go down? Uh, if you're if you're scared, why don't you go down? You can take your servant, Pura, with you, and you can go hear something that I think will encourage you and help you. And so they go. Can you imagine? In, in the cover of night, they're sneaking up to the camp. They get just close enough to the outpost to be within earshot of conversation. And so they're all there. And the Bible says that there are just tons of people, hard to even number them. But when Gideon gets within earshot, this is what he hears. A man starts telling his friend about a dream that he had. He said, I had this dream and this cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and it came to the tent and it struck it. It fell down. It turned upside down, just blew it up. And his friend answers this. This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. I know that God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. Can you imagine how absurd this must have been? Here's Gideon and his servant Pura. They're hiding, hoping that no one sees them so that they don't die. And within earshot, they're hearing someone recount a dream. And instead of it just being, ah, don't worry about it, it's just some dream. They name Gideon. They talk about his clan, his family, what's going to happen here. And so when he hears it, Gideon immediately worships. It's obvious that the Lord is doing this because the Lord is going to rescue people. So he goes back to these 300 men who may have had some discussions about who should be the new leader or what while he's gone. And he walks to him and with all the bravado and confidence of this guy who we are introduced to hiding, threshing wheat in a wine press, he says, get up boys. Gideon is, and we're, we're going down here and Midian is about to be given into our hands. So he divides them into three companies and he doesn't say, Now get your swords and you guys are going to be archers. We're going to do this. It's going to be the formation for this. But no, he says, get trumpets and get some jars and put the torches inside the jars and carry the trumpet. And when we get to the outskirts of the camp, you just do whatever I do. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to blow the trumpet and everybody with me, you blow the trumpet on every side and you just shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So they go down there, and you can imagine as they get up to the outskirts of the camp, just, I mean, like locusts covering the land, sand on the seashore. This is how they've been described. And they get to the outskirts of the camp during the middle watch. And just about that time, the signal is given. The the jars are smashed. The the, the torches are blazing, and the trumpets are, are, are blowing. And all of a sudden, they, they just cry out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And the Bible says every man just stood in his place and the army before them fled. And the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against the army. And they just took off. The army was absolutely demolished before them. What an incredible and wonderful thing to see the salvation of the Lord delivered in such an unlikely way. And so they go through and they finish up the battle and the victory is theirs. And you can imagine after it was over, everybody is so excited about what's happened. And the men of Israel, they come to Gideon and they say, listen, why don't you just rule over us? You and your son, your grandson, you're the best. We'll just follow you. You can basically be king. And Gideon gives us a little bit of just some false humility. Because he says to him, listen, I'm not going to rule over you. Neither is my son. God's going to rule 
over you. But his words are betrayed by the way he begins to act. He just says, I tell you what, let me, if you want to do something nice for me, let me just make this request of you. Why don't you give me the earrings from your spoil? And so they gave them, they gave Gideon a ton of gold, uh, the equivalent of basically 43 pounds of gold. Gideon became wealthy in an instant. And so what he did with his gold was he made an ephod of it and he put it in his city. And the Bible gives us just this, this metaphor and this word picture is so devastating. It says that all Israel whored after it there and it became a snare to Gideon and to his family. What an incredible thing to, to go from this victory to uh, the men wanting to make him ruler to him saying, no, 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 we're not going to do this, but to becoming wealthy and then making this ephod and instead of following the Lord only, they began to see the symbol and worship the symbol rather than the substance behind it. And so although there was rest and after this incredible victory, all these things had happened, we find that Gideon lived much like a king, even though he said that he wasn't. He took many wives and concubines. He had 70 sons and, and he lived in wealth and he did all of these things. But the problem is Gideon did not lead the people in repentance back to the Lord and in faithfulness. But instead, they celebrated their victory. They celebrated Gideon and they celebrated this ephod and they began to misplace their worship. Yes, the army shrank. But the problem was that their idolatry grew. From amazing victory to disappointing follow-up. But this is the story of Scripture. It's not about guys who do it correctly all the time. It's about a guy named Gideon who was hiding in the first place, who God um, clothed in the spirit, freed his people and delivered his people, pointing us toward a king who would do everything right one day, a king that would not be greedy for his own gain and would not turn the hearts of the people toward his wealth or some sort of ephod, but would turn the people's hearts toward the Lord and call them to repentance. Jesus, the true king, the righteous judge. But what a great story and what a, an incredible uh, warning for us. Be careful. Sometimes after your greatest victories can come unexpected defeats. Thanks for listening to the One More Verse podcast. For more information about Vertical Purpose or One More Verse, visit johnnicks.org. I would love to hear from you, so find me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram using the handle TheJohnNix. And don't forget to download the Vertical Purpose app for additional resources. Thanks again, and join me tomorrow for the One More Verse podcast.